I don't know. It was some kind of weird meme. Like, there's kind of things that we talk about, like, they get pushed to the top for some reason. That, like, show up as, like, a, I guess, a pattern of thought in reality. For Which a Mockingbird bit. Media, like, it's a slow news day, and they're like, hey, like, just talk about this, like, weird Florida guys. It's always in Florida. Yeah. It's no, like, well, we, was... we know Florida's up to no good. We should just throw it out. I don't even need it. Just don't make any. No filter. I just, uh, I'm going I just no filter. Say, yeah. <laughs> can't say anything with a P or a T. Yeah, no pulses. Today. Yeah. But we are joined by one of my best friends from like forever ago and still like one of the most beautiful human beings I know. Thank you. The hell, dude? You cheating on me, dude? Look at him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at those he's, braids. He's, he's well put together. He's well put How together. long have we known each other? Uh, probably since I like gained consciousness. I think it was. Yeah, it was. It's been a long time. You know? yeah. I was probably like five or six, and we lived across from each other. And it was funny. I was just telling my girlfriend earlier, "You're gonna hate me saying this." He's absolutely gonna hate me saying this. But since I was an only child, you were kind of like the cool older brother. <laughs> you know, so, I, I don't hate that. Okay, yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure if you were gonna be like, "Ew, dude." No, man, we were we were boys. Oh yeah, we were. Yeah, you used to uh, hold me down and tickle me and tell me you were gonna give me herpes. Yeah, and I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> I was like six. I was like, like nice. no, no herpes. Nice, dude. Hey, to be fair, I probably didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, that's yeah, dude, you, you're always like the cool older brother, and even like down to like the music, like you took me to Plan Nine. And like we were listening to like Minor Threat in your Jetta, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And you're like, "Dude, it's Minor Threat, dude. What can I say? No big, yeah. no big deal." I probably but, still have that CD, probably somewhere. Nice. I hope so. I, my favorite part about doing this podcast is getting to meet all the like wild friends. I don't have too many people that I'm like, yeah, no, they're cool. They're like they can hang and come on a podcast, but like he's got a whole litany of great people, well, whole litany of them. We'll see how hard I can hang. We'll see. No, I'm actually stoked because some of the topics we were talking about earlier and some of the shit I DM'd you about, like, we're mm-hmm. normally pretty, like, loosey-goosey and, like, open and, like, freeform. We just kind of, like, ramble and bullshit on this show. But 
I specifically wanted to have you on because I think you definitely can contribute a lot to some of the conversations we've already had um, about, you know, spirituality and uh, even, you know, politics and all kinds of culture. Um, so I just thought you were like a really cool person to have on and and be able to hear your take on it and kind of add to the perspective for a lot of people. Cool. I, I appreciate that. Um, I will say that, you know, I'm not the smartest man, uh, but I will certainly try not to sound too dumb. Oh, no, dude, don't worry. You don't have to be smart to be on this podcast. It's okay, fine. perfect. No, no this yeah. is like a source-free, uh, no intelligence zone. We kind of okay. just have it's fun. It's like the cop we, standards. You just have fun. It's like the cop test. Oh, I can't be too smart to be we're on You got to be C, cool, smart. C okay. students. We're yeah. C students, dude. Great, perfect. It's fine. We're all George Bush, baby. We're yeah. just C students. <laughs> just winging it through the National Guard, dude. Doing fine. Whoa, George Bush winging it. Whoa. <sighs> 9-11. 9-11. What about it? <laughs> you know, uh, George Bush Sr., did you ever see that redacted uh, CIA document uh, document that came out that was talking about their like affairs in Cuba during like the time of the JFK assassination and stuff? Are you talking about like Northwoods? I'm... It may Operation have been part of, I don't know if it was part of Northwoods. Because that was, that was Cuba. But it was like... That. that was JFK time. There's a you redacted document that just has the first Remind name. Remind me. It, um, Operation Northwoods was a declassified document that basically they went to... I believe it was JFK. And they were like, hey, we want to uh, blow up an American ship or something. They wanted to do a false flag. Oh, they wanted to do like yeah, terror attacks yeah. okay, in yeah. the country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. They wanted like to that. do like different terror attacks. And like they wanted machine to gun justify, crowds and yeah, shit. Yeah. It was manufactured to consent. justify the Bay of Pigs. Sure. That was like, to, or at least to lead up to that, to create kind of the, the public consent for it. Kind of like most of those other like false flag things like Gulf of Tonkin and shit that have been, happened forever. Right. But uh-huh. J, JFK made the mistake of like thinking he was actually president. <laughs> that was his biggest problem. And uh, he kind of like told him to go fuck themselves, basically. With that one? Yeah. Um, You sent me something recently on the CIA link to Jonestown. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you you actually read that? I didn't have a chance. I didn't have a chance either, but I was looking at the table of contents, and they somehow linked, like, Martin Luther King Jr. death assassination in there. Wow. And how, like, the CIA was involved with Jonestown massacre. That's something... It was, like, a 34-page document. Um some light bedtime reading. I can't yeah. believe it. I yeah. mean, I mean they were it's it's a, a it's South America. That's usually like a dead giveaway the CIA is involved in some flags. way. Yeah. That's a red flag. Yeah. Uh, a cult leader kind of guy. Uh personality who kind of sprung up out of nowhere and like reached prominence maybe just off his own hubris, but it's kind of one of those things that like it almost seems like it's got to be engineered on some level. Yeah, so do you think they like do you think they took advantage of a situation? Like, do you think they saw Jonestown and they were like, oh, we can kind of manipulate this situation? Or do you think Jonestown was... That uh, dude was MKUltra. Yeah, yeah I think so. MKUltra. Uh, they like... They, uh, I've heard some other like shows and stuff that really go into his past and talk about how like he was always a preacher from when he was a child and he used to like gather his friends up and fucking... And I'm like... What yeah. fucking kid acts like that? that? That story almost sounds like biblical. Yeah, exactly. Like they they like mythologize, they like mythologize, mythologize or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like his like come to power. Like 
And then he just like suddenly is some prominent figure in San Francisco and hate during like hate Ashbury and all that shit. And it's like, well, we know the fucking CIA was involved in that group of people. Everyone in fucking hate Ashbury and all that shit was CIA to the neck. Like all the Grateful Dead stuff, like all that shit. They had weird ties like to all that kind of shit. So do you, do you think that the, the CIA was afraid that Jonestown would be successful? Hmm. That's an interesting angle. I don't know if they were afraid that it would be successful or if it's one of those things like that unit, what, 731? If it's just one of those things to where it's like our version of 731 where the CIA is just pushing people to their absolute limit. You know, it's like they're 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 kind of pushing the boundaries of social norms where, you know, you have fucked up, you know, Joseph Mangala experiments where they're seeing like at what temperature exactly does like, you know, eyes boil out human like (laughs) flesh freeze. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they were doing shit like that. This is that could be like the CIA's version of just like, let's just push people psychologically as absolutely far as we can, which totally ties into the MK Ultra, like, I guess, whole motto. Yeah, or, like, the idea of, like, they could have just seen that as an opportunity to, like, observe something. You know, like, it kind of fits it, like, the way he controlled all those people. Like, what did he have? Let's just kind of watch how this plays out. Yeah, Yeah, like, let's keep keep our finger on it and see what happens. And then, like, once public attention got on it and that congressman goes down there, it's like, hmm. I mean, I'd I'd love to know what that congressman was into besides investigating Jonestown Mm -hmm. to get whacked like that, you know? Well, and, like, so... What kind of drugs was he on? I think he was a speed freak, right? Right. He was doing amphetamines. Something like that, or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, the way he acted, he had to have been amphetamines. So, where was he getting that stuff? Here in South America, dude. It's yeah, and so I was gonna say yeah. it's South wasn't America. he like in the weren't they in the middle of the Guyana? The yeah, yeah, they were in the jungle in Guyana. I mean, I don't think they were too far from a regular town though. Okay, like I don't think they were too like. I don't but think also, it was, like, amphetamines though. Nowhere at that time. At that time, yeah, where else would you get them? Was he getting, like, cooked amphetamines, or was he getting, like, scripts and shit? I mean... I don't know. Whatever it was, it was clearly the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely top tier, because he was I want fucking mind, two dude. of what he's having. <laughs> yeah, right? No, I mean, the, the whole Jonestown operation was kind of wild to, like, look at, because it's like, I mean, they were down there, like, creating an intentional community, essentially, mm-hmm. and, like, they had their plan, and it, like, all sounded really good, and they kind of root it down to, like, just uh jim jones going nuts like from the drug use that's like what they rooted down to yeah well i think he he like it seems to me that he had a, a very idealized version of how everything was gonna go but then at the same time like his like concept of like his uh like his concept of like control of people mm-hmm. and his ideology because like it was like Rooted in Christian ideology, I thought. Like, that's kind of what his church was, or maybe it was more universalist or something. I think initially it was it was very uh, Christian. And then I think it kind of went to, uh, you know, once you start doing enough speed, you start to think you are God. Yeah. Or you could fight him or something. He had a bit of a complex, for sure. Yeah. Man. Remember bath salts? Yeah, that was a thing. Remember the zombie that guy? That was a thing for like a year. I don't know. That was just a thing. Remember right? the zombie just- guy? Yeah, the guy the Miami the zombie guy. The Wait, Mi- the homeless guy that never got settled. But well, hold on, I thought after they uh, like they like checked that out, turned out the dude wasn't on bath salts. Really, he was, he just, was just nuts eating a homeless guy. He just broke. Flexitarian, dude. <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah, based. Oh fuck yeah, gotta source your own meats, dude. Yeah, so 
but yeah, I don't know what happened to bath salts. I guess everybody realized it was a really bad idea. Yeah, some guy at work, like some boomer at work, legitimately asked. The only reason I thought about it is because this guy legitimately asked, like, how do people get high on bath salts? It's like, well, it's not bath. It's not. I told him, I was like, did you think it was Bath and Body Works? (laughs) Like, did you think it was? (laughs) To be fair, I thought it was Bath and Body Works. Really? That's kind of. I was like, shit, you can get that stuff at Walmart. It's a it's a street name. It's like a street drug name. Bath salts. It's some kind of like cooked shit, like it's the like, way they cooked meth or whatever. It's like a hallucinogenic amphetamine. Like it does, it, dude. It yeah. McAfee it talks about people. doing it a lot. McAfee used to talk, brag about it. In what interviews. he was like, I fucking love bath salts. I've done them. It's exquisite. Was that also <laughs> like, was that yeah, like a bath salt connoisseur? Dude, he really was. I mean, he was a drug connoisseur. That was, is Flocka the same? Is Flocka? Flocka Flocka was what they were blaming that on too. They were kind of like I guess I'm assuming it's kind of the same kind of shit like this fucking Dude. like mind bender of a like Mr. Mackey was right. Mr. Mackey do was drugs. fucking right. Don't do drugs again. Okay. Yeah. No, dude. Drugs I mean, are bad, man. That stuff like I yeah, it was like a weird prominence thing with bath salts for a while. There's a lot of people like videos popping up around when it happened of like people doing it and like they're like it doesn't even fucking do that to you. So and like you said it turned out that guy wasn't on that shit. Yeah. Like so I don't know. It was some kind of weird meme. Like, there's kind of things that we talk about, like, they get pushed to the top for some reason that, like, show up as, like, a, I guess, a pattern of thought in reality. For Which a Mockingbird bit. Media, like, it's a slow news day, and they're like, hey, like, just talk about this, like, weird Florida guys. It's always in Florida. Yeah. It's that, like, well, we, was, we know Florida's up to no good. What was that, 2012, like, right? That was the year of the Florida man. Yeah. 2012 was the year of the Florida man. Like, all kinds of shit was going on down there. Have you ever done the thing where you, uh, you Google your birthday and then Florida man. No. And then Ooh, it pulls up like the that. Florida man article from your birthday. It's like your, uh, yeah, it's like your sign. It's like your, <laughs> it's, it's like your, your sign. Florida man Zodiac. <laughs> Florida man Zodiac. <laughs> That's sick. Fuck yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm into crystals and Florida man Zodiac. Yeah. So. I don't want to date a girl unless she could tell me what her Florida man Zodiac <laughs> sign is. That's my, that's my only prerequisite. Number and one. And she has to be six feet tall. Fair. She can carry you like a baby. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. He bench, has a, can bench press me. Hold on. He actually, yes. He has a thing with women bench pressing <laughs> I have a him. muscle girl uh-huh. fetish, dude. He, I, got a, he, I got a huge muscle girl fetish. He also wants a deadlift blowjob. He he wants a strong woman to bend, like clean and jerk him up, uh-huh. right? And then while he has a downward facing erection, she benches him into her mouth. Like, it's wow. A, hey, look, everybody's got to have a fantasy, man. That's. I mean, that's that's why I want to date Sasquatch. It's vivid. There you go. Oh, all right. We got somebody to turn you on to Peter Kane dog training. I'll. He has like hundreds of videos on Sasquatch. <laughs> this dude has Hours the dog. I'll send you this shit. Cool. Here's my big question, though: Is Sasquatch vegan? Probably. I'm under the impression that Sasquatch is interdimensional. I'm not a big nice. uh, like for real. Yeah, for so real. So maybe it doesn't even need. So food. you you don't think it could be like an offshoot of primate human like evolution? I mean, my only issue with that is that uh, we can't find. Why can't we find you know colonies of Sasquatch? Exactly, it's too elusive, dude. Yeah, it's you're too right. elusive. You're right. Like yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there are like species of animals that we haven't uh, discovered and then eradicated yet, but like. How does a primate species that has been seen, right? Yeah, by and humans heard. and heard by humans. How does it just, you know? I mean, we have like footprints or whatever. 
Yeah, it gets away every time. It's always so, gone. I've always loved this like interdimensional stuff. Right. Yeah. I really, ha- I really do. So you think uh, maybe the Sasquatch? Do they get lumped in with like demons and aliens? Skinwalkers. So are they skinwalkers. all? Well, are they basically? If we do have interdimensional shit coming to us. Is it all kind of just under that umbrella? And like through throughout our history, we've called them angels and we've called them aliens and we've called them Sasquatch. We've called <coughs> them Nessie and all kinds of weird shit. Well, so I think it's a lot of that comes from like the perspective of the culture at the time. Right. Mm. Like earlier, you and I were kind of talking a little bit about simulation theory. Right. Mm-hmm. So talking about simulation theory and simulation theory has been a little bit more. uh at least in, in, in my experience, has been talked about a little bit more recently. Yeah. Right? And I've noticed that the language that we use to discuss simulation theory, you know, obviously comes back to technology. Um, because we are a technologically, you know, quote, it, we're an advanced civilization, right? So we're going to talk so about... the th- lens that we're examining it right. through. Right. Yeah. So, like, previously when we're dealing with, like, uh, you know, let's say just the Abrahamic religions... Um, when we start to see things that we don't understand, we're going to explain them in, you know, the the context of the time, which makes sense that, you know, like, have you ever seen a drawing of like an alien or not an alien? I'm sorry, like an angel, like how they describe angels in the Bible. Oh, yeah. And they got like seven eyes and yeah, and they're like circles wheels and swirling around and they're, and and they're like, be not afraid. Wheels within yeah, be wheels. Be not afraid because you're fucking terrified. <laughs> yeah. 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 So like we look at that and we're like, oh, it's a that's an angel, dude. Yeah. Says it in the Bible. Yeah, the biblical concept of an angel is very obscurified from like the little like every every Bible you get has those little drawings in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's like artist renderings. An angel's always like a robed figure with wings and it's like but the way they describe them or like even the way they describe like the things that come down from heaven. So very How about uh what are your thoughts on antediluvian civilizations? Pre flood? The idea that um you know, there have been major climate shifts throughout history. There's actually a lot of evidence Randall Carlson goes into about you can actually observe in the Mojave Desert the way the sand dunes, when you zoom out far enough, they look like the little sand ripples in a creek. And it's because there's evidence of great floods happening several times throughout Earth's history. And uh, it's just the idea that, you know, Atlantis was real. You know, the idea that there were antediluvian pre-flood civilizations that may have held a lot more ancient knowledge. Like, you know, Tesla coil. Some people say, dude, the pyramids were, you know, uh, uh, power plants, basically. And there's a lot of artifacts and things in, like, Egypt and the Middle East and things that predate what we think civilization is. And they find stuff in South America all the time. Like, they found, like, you know, new new pyramids and shit that like 12,000 years before we even thought yeah, humans we thought were humans were there and whatever yeah, there's, else. There's yeah. definitely evidence I think for ancient knowledge that's been handed down and that has maybe almost like tower of Babelified throughout all these, you know, oral traditions and writing shit down and we get dumber as a species and we're trying to relearn. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. So I think, um, as far as, as far as like, a great flood as far as like a great destruction goes i just straight up i just don't know you don't uh, want, i don't know no oh like yeah. yeah so like i mean it's hard as, to know you can't know as far as speculating goes i think when we look at when when we judge a civilization 
as far as like how advanced they are, we are comparing them to our civilization. So we're comparing them to our technology. We're comparing them to our, uh, you know, economic or political systems. We build big things. We build shiny things. You know, that's what we do. That's the way that we see ourselves as technologically advanced is uh, humanity has control over the planet. We own the planet. We control it. We manipulate it, right? Um, I think if there were pre-flood civilizations, and I think if they were technologically advanced, I would imagine that the technology would be different. Yes. I imagine that it might not even be something that we would necessarily recognize. Hundred percent. You know, because where we are right now in in humanity wasn't an inevitability. This was all uh, decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, from 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 you know caveman on, uh, where we are right now was. It's not the inevitable path. It is just one path. Yeah, it's the path we're on. Right. So. Yeah. You know, could there be Tesla coil pyramids? Why the fuck not? Yeah. Who knows? When nothing is real, everything is permissible. <laughs> you know? True. Very Bingo. True. Very true. Because I don't even think we live in a material universe, dog. God, we've gotten to that point. We're just sine waves. Dude, I'm pretty sure uh, the first time I learned about simulation theory, it broke. it broke me. It broke my my brain. Yeah, it is. It is a hard concept. I think at first, it's. It, I think it's with like a lot of like extreme kind of views, like paradigm shifting mm-hmm. kind of ideas. It's hard. You kind of dip your toes in, and you kind of have that cognitive dissonance of like, okay, I'm being presented with new evidence. Um, you know, it's kind of, and it's hard to let go of some of that, some of those older beliefs. Um, and one of the things you just mentioned about us being a techno- a technologically focused species, we view things through that lens, simulation theory gets construed a lot, misconstrued a lot, I think, because people try to boil it down. They try to think of, like, we're in a computer, man. Yeah, zero like, one, zero, zero, one yeah. or whatever. Yeah, we're, we're, and, we're in somebody's gaming rig on their desk or something. And yeah. I think that's such, like, a narrow-minded, simplistic, boiled-down view of what people actually think that means. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mentioned the field of ontological mathematics earlier, and it's, it, it, it has a lot to do um, with resonance and frequency because it takes a little bit of ancient knowledge, it takes a little bit of quantum mechanics, you know, fundamental truths and evidence that we see, and you basically can boil it down to that we are kind of just an inf- a fractal implosion of mind we are just pure light pure energy you know mm-hmm. photons have no mass they're just pure energy um there's a lot of weird and, and they use the language coding because we're familiar <coughs> with computers so they're saying there's coding to the universe well that's just the english word in 2021 that we use right to, to so describe like natural that. occurrences but but what it actually means is that uh, you know, you, you it, 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 quantum opens up a lot of a lot more questions to the universe, but it doesn't necessarily answer them all. And I think ontological mathematics, I think, I don't know, it's just an elegant way of explaining simulation theory from from like an actual energy based standpoint. 
I don't know. All right. Well, so, and, I'm just kind of rambling now. Yeah, but. and like in ancient civilizations, like I think they were onto something because you look at like how the way the way buildings were constructed and where they were specifically placed. And uh, you got you ever heard of ley lines? Oh yeah, that kind of shit. Like that has I feel like that has to do kind of along the lines of the stuff you're talking about. Like, sure, ley lines are like the energetic patterns of the earth. Yeah, and like the earth has its resonance and its frequencies. And so that's there's the lines big meta that travels across. Yeah, the like, whole there's lines earth that travels across, having its frequency and its. And own And all these buildings are constructed on this stuff, so they had some kind of fucking purpose. It yeah. wasn't just it wasn't just some like oh let's look at the stars and do ayahuasca shit. Like it was yeah. there was something going on. Had to have been. True. No chance. It's wild shit, man. Yeah, I like that. So that would that would kind of uh, that would kind of bring you to the conclusion that the the universe is is a uh, um, created or designed, right? If there's if there's that kind of pattern or or order. Mm-hmm. Are you asking? Does that mean there is a creator? Is there a mode of creation? Like so a force that set it. So the way, emotion. and this is what I meant by it, kind of combines spirituality and quantum and a lot of things. Is that you take something like the Big Bang? Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Even no. No, scientists doesn't. will tell you it's mostly a theory. It's the Big Bang theory, right? But. People just take it as fact. And then you break down and you say, wait a minute, we have the law of conservation of energy, which says energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So, or matter, excuse me, and matter too. Energy is matter, which they figured out with the double slit experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the Big Bang, what the Big Bang was, was pure energy and light becoming conscious. It was, it was because energy and matter can be transferred not created or destroyed so that means pure energy pure light can all at once there was a a big bang the switch turned on and energy was transferred into matter and so what we're seeing right now we're actually one big shared consciousness and that's why people compare it to like a computer is because it's like we're all on the same motherboard or whatever but and coding and all the language but it really is physiological it can be explained through science and a lot of it adds up with a lot of ancient especially eastern religions Mm -hmm. and i don't know i actually have some books too that i could if you want to check it out youtube and shit i can send you collective unconsciousness stuff or like well that's certainly part of it and so i think the idea like what they say a lot is that we are all god we all are the same consciousness because we are light transferred into we're, and, and you know the idea of a fifth dimensional self the idea of interdimensional beings is completely coherent with an ontological mathematical viewpoint because you know we talk about 5D in and out you know you, you have inner thoughts you have inner you know you can hear things with your inner ears and your you can see things with your inner eyes your third eye and everything that's your fifth dimensional self so sure, there can be fifth dimensional beings that have an advanced consciousness enough that they can actually put themselves into our three dimensional reality, and it and it all kind of connects everything that we talk about, you know, between cryptids and reincarnation, and we all are God, we all are the creator, we, you know, we, we are, are the creation itself. We're the universe experiencing itself. Okay, hundred percent. All right, yeah. yeah. I mean, because that kind of plays into, like, all this ancient stuff with, like, uh, like 
the mythological creatures and stuff that existed, like if we're talking cryptids and shit, like they were here at one point because a lot of cultures had shit written about them, talked about them, experiences with them. And how many world religions have, you know, Horus and Newt and Jesus and, and it's all like the same the same stories played out over apparently these dumb ancient civilizations yeah. that had no connection with each other, that didn't have any communication. You mean to tell me they all have similar, you know, creation well, stories? They, well, I think that kind of points towards the idea of a universal consciousness. Yeah, certainly. Or, or at least, at least the a universal experience, the universal human experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I hate the sharp left turn. Um, but it, I, I guess it does kind of tie into this whole <laughs> universal human experience we were just kind of talking about. Um, was uh, 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 veganism. You've been vegan for how many years? Uh, 18 years. Damn, dude. 18 years. That's nice. Yeah. And obviously, uh, it's not a label. It's not something you obtain. It's something you practice. It's yeah. something you do. It's principles that you have. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, again, it's not it, it's not for Instagram or anything like that. It's like something that you truly believe in and live your life. You walk the walk. You know, you're you're putting theory into practice, and I certainly practice, baby. How is that? Uh, I guess you know that universal human experience. How has veganism impacted your human experience? Uh, or even if you just kind of want to start from the beginning on, on you know, why you're vegan or, or anything you really want to kind of share. Because yeah. this topic really, really interests me. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I will do my, do my best. Because um, obviously over, over the, the period of time that I've been vegan, there's been a lot of... Uh, veganism has changed, I think. And that's something that we can talk about too. But uh, so... Without making a long story very, very long, uh, I was always very attached to my animal companions. Uh, I grew up with cats and dogs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think when I was in high school, uh, like I said, you're a little bit younger than me. I'm not really, I don't really remember by how much. And I remember you would come over to my house and sit at the counter and talk with my mom. And she would be like, I just don't understand it. And you'd be like, no, but the animals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like anything else, you know, yeah. I was probably, I was a kid. I was probably. I like, remember, I remember like being, you know, younger, sitting on the couch, watching TV, hearing you and my mom yelling in the background <laughs> over all kinds of bullshit. And she always let me come hang out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The door was open. You would just come over and be like, yo, listen to this bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And she uh, was here for it. Yeah. I, you know, when I was a kid, I, I was really into uh, hardcore. I loved it. Into right. what? Hardcore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so they go hand in hand. Yeah, the kind, kind, kinda. At least, yeah. Back in the day, in I certain think. circles, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I was a kid, I used to sneak down downtown. I couldn't drive, but you know, uh, sneak downtown and go see bands. You know, all ages shows and all that Alley other cats. fun stuff. Uh, yeah, Alley Cats. Me too, uh, dude. I was there for a little bit. <laughs> let's see what what was it on um, DTN Brace War. Yeah, dude, I love DTN. Yeah, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I didn't really have a great time in high school, 
but when I went downtown, it was kind of my people. And uh, back then, it was probably, what, early 2000s? Not even late 90s, definitely early 2000s. Yeah. I think uh, at that point, veganism was still very extreme as an ideology. Not only, like, was it not, you know, when you would think of a vegan, you think of, like, a hippie named, like, Moonflower, or, like, <laughs> yeah, you would think of the, uh, you know, like, the Animal Liberation Front. You know, it was it was a... It was still an ideology. It hadn't really entered the mainstream. Um, so I was lucky enough to surround myself with people who were a little older who were politically minded and were all vegan. So um, I would say that, you know, that had a huge influence. And then also, like, again, it's a little different today, but that was back when... You know, they were releasing slaughterhouse footage. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. That's back when, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you know, look at this cake that I made. It was like, look at what the fuck is going on here. Yeah. And me Definitely. being a kid and, and being able to see that stuff. And I just was just like, this is this ain't right. And isn't that that's kind of around when the term militant veganism kind of came about and people. The poison the well stuff. Dude. Yeah. Poison the well. Militant veganism. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get about the same time, too, when people started seeing that footage and then some people went like off the fucking deep end with it. Well, I feel like I caught the back end of that. I think I caught the kind of I think early 2000s was was probably when that was starting to change. Um, But yeah, previous to that, you know, militant veganism was a thing. Uh, Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And I guess for me, I, I saw the footage and I saw what kind of what was going on. And it was actually, it was very easy for me. I was just like, you know what? This isn't my bag. I'm not going to be a part of this. And so I just stopped. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I was a stupid kid. I was like 16. Yeah. And I had no training in nutrition. I had no training in... You know, I had a job, but I was still living at my parents' house. So, you know, the, but I'm also very, very stubborn. So the conversation that I had with my family did not go great. Yeah. yeah. Um, But I was just like, you know what? (laughs) Fuck it. I'll eat beans and canned corn for the rest of my life. I don't care. You know, whatever. Um, But. I do have a quick question, though. Yeah, shoot. (laughs) How much... this might seem out of left field, but how much on a scale of one to ten do you think you would identify with Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan? Yeah. The, uh, the podcaster? How, yes, like, yes. how much would you, as what topically you know about him, how much do you think you would relate to him? Uh, so, probably not much. Probably pretty low. Well, yeah. I will say he actually lists that exact reason you mentioned with the footage and going vegan, he cited that as a reason he became a hunter because he's yeah. into ethical hunting. And he, he actually uh, was big on that. He was like, yeah, I saw the footage. I was like, this is a moral wrong that I can't have in my life. So I can either uh, go vegan <laughs> or I can, you know, try to go ethically harvest. Meat. Yeah. At, try to at least as ethically as I can, you know, harvest my own meat because mm-hmm. that's what he likes to do. Right. Um, but I just thought that was funny that like, you know, two people that might not seem very similar 
would definitely agree on something like this. So in- interestingly enough, and I'm, I'm, I won't say that I have an opinion about Joe Rogan either way, because frankly, I don't care. Um, sure. I'm not a huge fan of his work, but I'm also not going to sit here and, and go off on somebody that I don't know. It's sure. Just, right. it, uh, I do know that he had the, was it the director or producer of the movie Game Changers, the documentary, uh, on his podcast, who is a vegan, and uh, he was what he is vegan. Oh, okay. Uh, and I did listen to the conversation that they had, and I thought it was fairly enlightening. I thought that was good. I can't. I honestly. I oh, can't I'm hear sorry, you, man. Yeah, it's yeah, hard yeah. to hear you. Um, we're just kind of far away. So I did watch the interview that Joe Rogan had with the. I think it was either director or producer of the uh, the documentary Game Changers. Uh huh. Um, and I thought it was very good. I thought that he was very fair. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I like Joe Rogan. It's just I think he gets a um, he gets a rap for being like a meathead kind of dope. You know, he's into you know MMA. He's the yeah. He talks about DMT a lot and stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's a bro, dude. Yeah, so <laughs> he's, a bro. he's a fucking bro. And and I, I some people have preconceptions. Um, yeah. and so that's cool to hear that. Like you know, even you know, you listened and you were fair and you thought he was fair. And I think that's all kind of in the spirit too of like why we do this, you mm-hmm. know, even at the small scale that we do do it at. Um, it's still, it's so enlightening to just like have these conversations and be open and be fair. And so uh, I definitely uh, like hearing about, you know, other perspectives. And so you were basically seeing this footage, what you're like 16 going to hardcore shows downtown you're meeting a lot of cool people and a lot of people that are you know showing you stuff and turn you on to i guess like new ideologies or I, what I think is it? I, w- I think i was surrounded by people who showed me that there was a different way to live ah yeah. and, and that's important that was super important to me and i mean you know we grew up across the street from each other um you know before i lived essentially in the suburbs i lived in the catskills uh so and of course back then you know like we didn't have this wild access to the internet everywhere. So really what you were learning and experiencing was through other people, which I, you know, but yeah, they showed me that there was a different way to live. And I think that's kind of, that has value in it of itself. Yeah. You know, without someone having to shove something down your throat, just being like, you know, it's something our buddy said last cast is, you know, people talk about the red pill. Mm. It's like the red pill isn't like a prescription of this is how life should be. It's the idea that like there are other ways. There's two ways to skin a cat. You know, it's like, Sorry well, for the... the I the realized we were talking the, to having a vegan like, conversation, and I used the worst euphemism I am ever. so offended. I know. It's, it's, the, it's the idea of, like, the red pill is different to different people. Like, you got red-pilled onto your way of living. Like, and, like, what it is to each person tends to be different. Like, you may group into groups, mm-hmm. and it, like, it may end up being, like, some people equate it, like I said last time, with inherently right-wing ideologies, but, like, it's different to different people. Like, you're what you're shaking yourself out of like this commodified uh plastic like processed way of living that we all are given when we first are born here and raised in and like kind of shaping yourself into something completely ad- adverse to that and I, and I think that's something that continues i think that's something that continues throughout your life absolutely um because yeah i mean i'm i'm 34 now i i got a little bit of i found some gray hairs in my beard so i do feel like i'm <laughs> i'm getting to the point now where like uh 
I've watched the pendulum swing a couple different times in a couple different ways, you know? Right. And um, I think that we're almost, we're essentially given a rule book when we're born. You know, we're given kind of a, a, a guide to living. And it's the way that our, you know, our media portrays it. It's the way that our family structures portray it. It's the way that our, you know, religions, uh, you know, essentially our... It's a very meta kind of Even your of regional web. culture, like your regional culture yeah, shapes exactly. it too. Like it's, there's and, so many factors that play into it. And it's it. propaganda. And Certainly. it's all, and, and I don't mean that in a way that it's like, um, that it's necessarily... State produced. Or yeah, anything. state produced or even intentionally produced. Yeah. I think a lot of it is repetition. Yeah. Um, but we all have our own propaganda. And I think that one of the things that's very interesting about like political ideology, and Al, you and I were talking a little bit earlier about kind of the idea of being post-political. Yeah. Yes. The <laughs> idea ideology. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That poli- uh, politics is theater. Um, but I, w- I, would, I would consider myself... Uh, Actually, I wouldn't really consider myself anything because I think kind of placing yourself in the political spectrum in itself is problematic Mm. because it attaches a lot of ideas to you. So one of the things that I noticed was like, you know, a lot of my friends, a lot of the people that I know tend to have very leftist ideology, right? Um, And when I would talk to them and I would hear things that just didn't sit right or didn't sound right. And I was like, you know, this this doesn't really track. I feel like you're just repeating things that you heard. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I shit on the right, too. Yeah. I'll shit yeah. on all of it. Shit hey, you're them, in dude. the right fucking shit, place, Yeah, dude. shit on all of them, so, <laughs> but, You're in the right place. So I think we all try to kind of, or at least political ideology, I think we all kind of have what we believe is the moral high ground. Sure. I think in right, you know, right right ideology you know it's uh tends to kind of form from tradition a lot of tradition and Mm -hmm. and everybody's the good guy in their own story right absolutely when you're looking absolutely it usually is from a position of looking down at the other sure nine times out of ten so yeah we have this tradition um and then i think that a lot of leftist political ideology is reactionary sure i think they say well this is what they believe i believe the exact opposite of it and yeah. it kind of bounces back and forth off of each other. But like to the point where you don't even understand like what you're parroting. Right, exactly. Like, you're, you're just you're, kind of like, you're like, yeah, this is like my status quo. So this is what I'm pushing. And there, I have a couple, one of the things that always kind of annoys me. Uh, and I've heard a couple, you know, obviously. I've heard a couple people recently kind of espouse this. And it annoys me because it, it's, first off, it's like a non-starter. But people always love to say, um. Uh, there's no conscious consumption under capitalism. Have y'all ever heard that? Yeah, it's kind of like a little tagline. It's like as long as you're a part of the system at all, it's a moral bad. Yeah, kind of idea. Yeah. Um, but it's but that that doesn't work, and it doesn't work because not all consumption is equal. Well, and the other issue right? is like, well, well, is that kind of also to that point? Are you okay with, uh, you know, someone like Joe Rogan who maybe agrees with, you know, both you guys have the same takeaway. You look at the same footage. You have the same takeaway. I can't be a part of this anymore. But, you know, you have your route and he chose to be an ethical consumer. 
right. he chooses to, and and you know that's a whole different conversation if people want to talk about hunting and if that's ethical at all. Yeah. So so here here's the there's there's a micro and a macro to this situation, and sure. this is often what happens when veganism is discussed. Um, look, I, I'm a welder, man. You know that. Mm-hmm. You work construction. Yeah. You know the kind of people that I work with. Oh, oh yes, I do. All right? I don't work with bad people. And, and this is one of the other things, too, is the... Uh, um, people who don't work in the trades... And I'm not... In this, and this whole dirty hand, clean money shit, I hate that. Yeah. yeah. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's stupid. It needs to stop. But I also don't like when people infantilize people in positions of poverty. Yeah. All right? They're, you're not stupid because you're poor. Course. Right. So when we work in trades, um, I don't work with other vegans. I don't work with other people with ideologies that are similar to mine. And you know what? That has been amazing. When they're still working class fucking normal human beings. Well, and it's right. It exposes you to so much more. Well, it's also... Than- so, you know, if you talk to people on the right, they're like, oh, the... These leftists, they're a bunch of like soy boy, whatever. And yeah. then you hear people on the left, they're like, "Oh, well, they're they're, they're just dumb shit fucks." And rednecks, they, and, you're like, and they're yeah, and they're rural retards, yeah, like, and they're all, all cousin yeah. fuckers or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. guess what? None of that is true. It's yeah. really not. It might be in some cases because yes, those people exist. Oh, absolutely. And guess what? They're not fucking liberals. No. <laughs> but that doesn't well, mean you. It's not like it's not like saying all people of this one particular group. And so when you have something so polarizing, and that's why we kind of have like a little joke. uh, We say we're non-binary because we don't like, you know, picking sides, (laughs) 50-50. But so when, when you create two different sides, like Republicans and Democrats, it's such like a large swath of the population to say all people on the right. Well, no, so all people on the left. It's important to remember that no group of people is a monolith. True. Absolutely. Just because somebody has a certain whatever it may be or belongs to whatever it may be does not mean that they're all the same. I think that's super dishonest. And I also think it's very lazy. It lacks thought. Sure. It's very simple to say all of these people are like this and all of these people are like this. But so back to kind of what we were talking about with, with hunting and, and kind of working with being able to be exposed for long periods of time who, with to people who don't uh, don't believe the same things that I do, whether it's religion, whether it's it's whatever. Um, even to this day, one of my closest friends and coworkers, we there are a lot of things that we do not agree with, and I still love him. Of course, and because that's so impactful. That's so important. So yeah. so I also work with a lot of hunters. And do I agree with hunting? How fucking long of conversation do you want to have? Yeah, right. You know, what I will say to make it very simple is that uh, screaming at my coworkers is not going to change anybody's mind. It's not constructive. It is not, it's not constructive. It's not helpful. And it does not come from a place of kindness. It doesn't come from a place of understanding. It comes from a place of... Ego. Exactly. Yeah, it's yes. all ego because people think their ideologies are them as an identity. And on some at, on some level, there is some merit to that, framing it that way. But at the end of the day, I've always kind of said, who you are is your favorite color. 
mm. your favorite song. You know, who you are is like, you know, your favorite drink after a long day or your, you know, your favorite thing to have for lunch or whatever. You know, you are not because guess what? Five years ago, I was psyoped and I was something completely different than what I am now. Yeah. And so, and I don't know. I completely agree with what you're saying. And, uh, yeah, it's very nice to be around people. And, and I will say I had a similar experience because I went to liberal arts college, grew up around like a lot of fucking yeah. I'm leftist an art school, weirdos. I'm an art school dropout too. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, ended up going blue collar and I was exposed to a lot of different worldviews and a lot of different, you know, just outlooks. And I think like you said, it it is funny seeing how, you know, people are like, oh, they're fucking soy boys. And you're like, yeah, they're right. And then the other people say, oh, they're all rednecks. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I, kn- I know these people. They're just people. Yeah, they're good people. Yeah, they're just fucking they're good people. people each, each person, each person and it's the regardless. same thing because not everyone on the left is a fucking soy boy either. That's the thing. Uh, apparently, I am. I, I, got am a lot a, of le- I got a lot of leftoids that I love, and I got a lot of rightoids that I love. Exactly. Man. I think not, I am a soy boy, right? Um, I get, Do I, I count? You would probably be characterized as such. Like, if I posted your picture on an image board they would probably say something no nah, like that. that's only because cool. of the, you know because of the plugs and tattoos yeah but like, once they <laughs> see the dirty fingernails yeah once they see the dirty fingernails in the boots they're like oh my god this guy's literally a fucking... like what if i told you this guy was a welder <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? and that's kind of the beauty of like having conversations and getting to know people is because you do get to break down that not all people kind of vibe is well, like no, and, and that yeah. but in in the media which you know aims to be divisive mm-hmm. that's the goal well and here's another thing a lot of people say bringing it back to to veganism is a lot of people have still have that kind of militant vegan image in their mind and there's always the joke about like vegans and crossfitters so, yeah. they're gonna tell you you know every other word <laughs> out their mouth is did you know i'm vegan did you know i do crossfit yeah. i mean and there's that there there are those stereotypes and it's out there but again it's not all people and so now so to to be fair, to, to to be clear, um, I would probably consider myself at this point in my life more. I've always been significantly more militant than your than what you would see as a vegan nowadays. Um, I don't really take a lot of problem with that. Uh, but again, I find that my time uh, working on this working on you know or or promoting this ideology which you know regardless my time is not well spent again like i said screaming at my coworker because he wants to go sit in the woods and get wasted on a saturday <laughs> yeah. yeah probably not going to kill anything anyway i think that my time is better spent dealing with the larger issue and also you know the issues in your life clean your own you know clean your own yard before you try to tell somebody yeah, to clean absolutely. theirs you know and so there's there's merit to that too and i i think that is a very like kind of high frequency thought and a very like kind of high frequency approach to it is because you found something that works for you it's something that obviously you care about because you've been doing it for 18 years mm-hmm. and it's it's a principle that you hold and it doesn't fucking matter what anybody else does about it. And on some level, that's not to say you don't care about impacting change, because obviously that's part of it is is wanting to have conversations and wanting to make, you know, change things. But 
having just that kind of high frequency, like, dude, at the end of the day, you are going to do what you're going to do. And I'm going to keep doing what I'm going to do. And I'm going to clean, you know, my yard and make my bed first before I start telling anybody else what the fuck they need to do. I don't think it's particularly uh, productive to scream at somebody until they do what you want them to do. Yeah. But do Um, do you want to do that? Do I want to do, do, do that? Do you feel like you want to do that when you uh, like meet those guys who want to go into the woods and like, like I fish a lot. Like I wanted to get into hunting myself, and like my angle on that is, is that like, and I I don't know how you feel about the idea of like with that stuff, all those taxes that come on it pay mm-hmm. into conservation. That's true, and, and but one one of the issues that I take with that is that um, I understand that it's essentially kind of paying for itself or that it is putting money back into our environment. Um, but why, why does there have to, it, it's, it's like a pay to play thing. Like you have to get something from it. Well, you know, I, you're get you're getting something from it. So it's like, yes, I understand that that's great that if you pay your money, you can go shoot something. Yeah. Um, w- yeah, I'm. I'm honestly, I'm not really even big on taxes at all. So it, it is nice <laughs> that they do that. Yeah, it's kind of nice and cute that they do that. But I, I kind of see. I see what you're saying, like the whole pay to play thing. No, uh, it, it, it is like a which, which, which again, well, it's the state. It's the state inserting itself into what normally would be natural selection. Right. So, so again like i understand that calling exists i understand that we have yeah. over farming we have we have species that are Mother nature finds a way to introduce diseases and things when you don't if if like these populations get to a certain level diseases always come in and stuff well here here's 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 what i'll say about this yeah. we have a uh a large deer population yes we have a some would say an overpopulation correct yeah mm-hmm. We have a huge deer population because a lot of their natural environment has been destroyed. Yeah. And all of their natural predators are gone. True. You're No, you're absolutely right. So, absolutely and right. you know what? That is a reason that doesn't solve the issue of the overpopulation. Right, right. right. No, you're absolutely um, right. So what I will also say is, you know, when I talk to people that I know that are hunters, I don't see them entering the forest in this altruistic state of this is a job that I need to do. This is something that is important. I will say definitely not every guy. Definitely not every guy. Yes. No, you would be right. Yeah. Um, you would definitely be right. And I know that there are people, people who like are Steve Rinella or like right. Steve Rinella and like the meat eater guys. Those guys are like, that's their thing. Yeah. Like that's how they, they enter the force in the concept of like, we're preserving nature. We are, you know, we're, we're managing it as I, best I, I we get can that. as men. So, but that is also kind of, again, like inserting yourself into like natural... No, sure, like yeah. the, well, the hubris no, to think that humans can manage... I, no, I well, here's agree. the problem is we created the problem. Yeah, and we're trying to that. Our development created this issue. So, here, so here's the other thing is when hunters go into the forest and they sit in a tree stand or, or whatever it may be that they do and they wait, you know, you'll put up trail cameras, whatever it is... Um, Run dogs, that kind of yeah. stuff, whatever. Are they... This doesn't need to be a question. Um, they are looking for the largest deer with the biggest racks, mm-hmm. right? Because you want that trophy. Certainly. You're not... So, 
if we're trying to control this population, we're trying to make this population healthy, why are we killing off the biggest, healthiest animals? So there's a couple angles to that. Sure. I will say, first of all, kind of slipped a little bit into the, you know, not all people territory where a lot of people don't give a fuck about the trophy. And a lot of people honestly eat. I mean, how many people like eat the meat and, you know, could give a fuck about. Yeah, don't put the head on the wall. And And, that's that's fair. and And the other part is. Um, the reason a lot of states have doe and fawn laws, you can't shoot does, you can't shoot fawns. Mm-hmm. Um, a, the reason a lot of states do that is because um, those are actually the most important things to the survival of a species. And what happens is, specifically in deer, um, I only know you know uh, this much about the deer population, but... Uh, Males fight all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. They they're very territorial. Uh, one buck um, could rut with several females. That's kind of I I was yeah yeah. And so when you actually start looking at the science behind conservation, um, I see the point you're making, but at the same time is like. I, I don't know. It, the females yeah, comes, in the in the in the fawns are it, where the conservation. But it happens. still comes down to your baseline of like violence against animals. At the end it, of the day, so it still comes down that to that's more of that's more on my uh, ethical stance. Yeah. yeah. And the issue, like I brought up, is that there are invasive species. And again, I like I said, I don't usually argue with hunters. I don't usually argue mm-hmm, with people. Right. Like, I know you're. I know you fish. Yeah. And I, I, I and I know too. you fish as well. Yeah. I'm not gonna sit here and try to you know convince you of something because again you're not my enemy no and i don't and i wouldn't expect that of you um because we wouldn't be friends if you did i just just was curious on your opinions on it and stuff you know because i like hearing other other points of view besides mine is it from from like fish like catch and release fishing yeah or just in general like especially with hunting and that kind of stuff too and so well okay so but but again like my issue and aim let, let me get a little uh, life contains suffering, right? Absolutely. Life, by definition, contains suffering. We all experience it. The Buddha. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know <coughs> that throughout my life, throughout all of our lives, we will experience and we will cause suffering. Absolutely. I understand that. I understand animals will die. I understand that they will be killed. I understand that there are circumstances that are outside of the purview of the purity politic of veganism. Mm-hmm. Veganism, by definition, doesn't say that we don't do any harm. It is the least amount of harm possible, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. So I understand the fact that, you know, I'm not somehow this like ascended being because I don't because I eat fucking plants. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And legumes. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. So again, like I said, I, although I take issue with purposefully ending the life of an animal. I would rather somebody hunt mm-hmm. than deal with factory farming. Absolutely. And that's usually, that's where my big uh, issues lie. And I think that's a very reasonable approach that uh, is well thought out. It's nuanced. You know, it's not a necessarily black or white thing. 
Um, where just like you said, it's not as black as white as vegans do no harm. It's the least amount possible. Mm-hmm. And people have different paradigms and people have different uh, lenses on reality too. And so someone like Joe Rogan, who, you know, <coughs> some people might disagree with the fact that he's quote unquote an ethical hunter. Mm-hmm. To some people, that's an oxymoron because they're, they're stuck in a certain binary or yeah. they're stuck in a certain whatever. But at the end of the day, where does that argument get us? Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't it really gets solve me anything. boiling beans. It gets beans. you mad. It just gets yeah. It gets me doing what I'm doing, and it gets him doing what he's doing, and honestly, just a bunch of it's a just, bunch yeah. of of noise. Yeah, and yeah, that's surely, and that's the thing. You're, you're you're lowering your frequencies by engaging in that head to head argument. Why would you not just want to be friendly and kind? And I think and also, are, why would Joe Rogan want to even talk to me? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I said, why would Joe Rogan want to talk to me? <laughs> because you're sexy. He's oh, talked to everybody. He can't dude. see me. This He's is talked audio. to everybody. He's got to start dipping down into us plebs eventually. Oh, right? cool. <laughs> well, hey, uh, I kind of want to keep uh, keep on talking. You guys down to bust out another hour? We're yeah. heading on over to the Patreon. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Yeah, let's do it. You good for another hour? Absolutely. Sorry, Sweet. Mike. Yes.